0: Welcome, 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 Geeks and Nerds, girls and boys to a brand new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Today we're joined by Marvel Comics editor Tom Brevoort talking all about What If. We'll get into the stories we love best from the Marvel Comics series, we'll take your calls, and we'll get you ready to watch the new Disney Plus series, Marvel's What If, coming this Wednesday. Stand by.
1: We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. And if you don't know, Star Trek and Star Wars will try to explain.
2: I dreamt of monsters for more chances.
0: Driving around the greater St. Louis area right now, hearing us on the big 550 KTRS, celebrating its 25th year on the air. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you are streaming us out there in the world, thank you for finding us out there. And as always, if you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast from, thank you very much for subscribing and listening to us there as well. Uh, my guest on the line right now and my co-host for the evening has been on the show once with us before. I'm very proud to have him back on the air. Tom Brevoort, Marvel Comics editor. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, what If has always been one of my very, very favorite stories from the Marvel Comics line. I've got still got Volumes 1 and 2. I've got at least a dozen or so of the one-shots. But just the, the amazing storytelling and kind of that finding out what would have happened if. Um, do you remember, by
3: chance, your first what-if story that you read? Um, I do, but before we get into that, I want to do a quick preamble because today is a day of significance, and I want to make sure everybody recognizes this. This is August 8th. Uh, and 60 years ago today, August 8th, 1961, the first issue of Fantastic Four came out, which uh, began and inaugurated the Marvel Universe and Marvel Comics as we know it. So Marvel, uh, the Marvel Universe is 60 years old today, right now.
0: And it doesn't look a day over 20, I'll tell you. But yeah, that's I mean, I I, th- I just saw Chris Ryle had a picture of him holding a copy of Fantastic Four that he bought at a San Diego Comic Con like 30 years back and he had Stan Lee sign it. And just what uh, it, it doesn't get much better as far as the Fantastic Four, the ups, the downs, the team changes and the rosters and everything like that. And obviously there have been many Marvel uh, what if stories based around them, but just they've really held their own. And I'm so excited to finally see them brought into the Marvel Cinematic Fold coming up soon.
3: Definitely, so, definitely so. anyway, getting back to your question, when I was a, a kid growing up and first started reading Marvel Books, what if wasn't that old? It had only been around for about seventeen issues, but it had a certain cachet among myself and the other uh, comic book readers that we that I knew um, in that it was it was always a double sized issue. They were always big and thick, uh, and the stories were kind of always cataclysmic because really anything could happen. You didn't have to worry about maintaining a status quo or keeping the characters all in good shape to tell another story next month. Um, so that was, that was super exciting to us. Uh, the first, what if I, I read was kind of an oddball one because it didn't star a real, you know, what a character that's now recognized as a real mainstream character, but he was a new character at the time, Nova. And the first, uh, what if I read was what if four other people had gotten the power of Nova um so so uh, yeah it's kind of a strange place to start in retrospect <laughs> but 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 that's where I came in. And did
0: you go back and like start collecting the back issues uh as soon as you read that one or do you just kind of pick them up occasionally?
3: Um I would I, we did some I did some back issue uh, picking up like I said among myself and the two or three guys I knew who were uh, were big into reading comics. Uh it was a book that had some specialists to it also Because there were only 15 of them at that point, it seemed like it was an an achievable thing to be able to get them all as opposed to, you know, whatever, a Fantastic Four, a Spider-Man that had had hundreds of issues. Uh, And the first issue of What If was only a couple of years old then. Um, So, yeah, I I picked up back issues. I bought my issue one, uh, you know, a, a number of months later. I think I paid about $5 for it. And and uh, you know there were there were any number of stories from those early issues that I really uh, uh, thought were great and, and uh, always o- almost always interesting in some way shape or form even if you know some stories were better than others.
0: And they they'd go from some that are very serious stories, even back then, like what if Loki had found Thor's hammer, to kind of zany ones, like what if the Marvel bullpen had the had become the Fantastic Four. That is
3: t- the that is the weirdest comic, <laughs> uh, and 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 you just you know you kind of have to stare at it and go. Man, what were they thinking back then to think that that you know, a comic with Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and and uh, you know the late Flo Steinberg and and Saul Brodsky as the Fantastic Four? You know who out there in in comic book land is waiting to read that? Um, but that that's significant too because that was the last uh, Fantastic Four story. Uh, drawn and written by the Fantastic Four's co creator Jack Kirby. That's
0: right. So yeah. it's
3: sort of it's sort of a weird last Fantastic Four story to have, but that's just the way it, it 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 broke. So, you know, Jack got to not only draw that story, he got to be the thing for those last right. thirty four pages of Fantastic Four.
0: And obviously there was a bit of a lull because we had, you know, the first volume ran for I want to say forty-seven issues, if I'm not mistaken. And then Forty
3: seven. Volume
0: yep. two. We had we had a kind of a special, and then it kind of launched into that second series, which those were the ones that were out when I started really collecting. I remember the first one I, I got was what if the alien costume had possessed Spider Man with that gorgeous cover of him in the black costume, Thor's hitting him from yep. one side. Um, but it immediately drew me in. I'm like, these are great. Uh, I mean, I just immediately started collecting them after that because they were such uh, unique things. Yeah, obviously, you're used to the established canon, but this totally turned everything upside down. And like you said, anything was possible.
3: Yeah. And those those books like I was around by the time that that iteration of what if uh, had started, I was already I think I was only an intern when the first issues of that were being worked on. But I was up there and and I was there as all of that second series uh, started to come out. Uh, and and you're right. Like they they the, the the there was a there was an opportunity for for a greater degree of of playfulness and even a certain degree of risk in that book. You know, again, because you really didn't have to make sure everything was squared away by the end of the story, so you could do another one next month. Every month you got a new starting point and a new a new kind of tale. And that, that, you know, gave creators an opportunity to do really gonzo things, um, you know, simply because, uh, you know, win or, win or lose, succeed or fail, you know, it, you weren't going to have to live with the consequences the next month.
0: And I was trying to do the timeline and all the math and everything. When you started becoming an editor and everything, was what if, was it still a volume two was going or were they starting to do one shots by then?
3: No, that was still while well, Volume 2, because I think Volume 2 launched somewhere around 1989, 1990, mm-hmm. and I started up there, you know, at the very end of 89. Okay. So I, I can remember, you know, as an intern uh, working on the early issues of What If, when I was interning in Craig Anderson's office. Craig Anderson and Renee Witterstatters were the, were the editors of that second series of What If, at least at the outset. Uh, They they brought it back, and they made it a, a regular title again after it had been a wave for a number of years, uh, and then it passed from from hand to hand over the years. After that, I know a couple of different people had it. Uh, Rob Tokar had it for a while, and uh, Frank Pitteris I think, had it, and a few other other folks over the years. Um, so, so, but yeah, I was around at least when it was it was getting reestablished.
0: And I know you, you hear the stories after the fact, uh, you know, when, when Jim Shooter was editor, for example, that the, they couldn't get anyone to work on G.I. Joe. And Larry Ham is like, yeah, fine, I'll do it. Ended up being super successful. Do you remember? Was there anything like you just said it was passed from person to person? Was it seen by people who were taking it on as kind of, oh, we're doing a what if again? Or were people excited about the prospect of getting to work on edit and write the book and things like that?
3: No, I, I think people generally liked it. I mean, one of the one of the double edged swords about it was that what if didn't have a regular creative team in the way most other titles do? Typically you bring on a writer and an artist and they do a, a run. They do a series of stories until that you know, they, they kind of uh, you know, exhaust whatever creative mojo they have in their tank and then another team takes over. But what if, because each issue was an individual story every issue had a different creative team and that meant there was constant turnover, but it also meant there was a lot of opportunity for, you know, young up and comers to, to get a foot in the door and start to do things. Uh, Kurt Busick, who went on to write uh, Avengers and Iron Man for years and created Thunderbolts, uh, you know, did a bunch of the early what ifs. Uh, and that was a way of just, you know, getting a, getting a chance to, to hone their craft and, and to, have some some you know time in front of the audience, as well as more established uh, creators. Roy Thomas did the the first issue of what if that came back and what if was Roy's concept to begin with. Huh.
0: And uh for those of you listening, Roy Thomas will be at Planet Comic Con just down highway seventy here in uh at the and I think another two weeks in Kansas City. So you might be wanting to take one of those issues to Roy to have him sign it. Um, and talking about the, the classic people who worked on some of these, we were just at Con, I guess, last weekend, and I was able to chat with a couple of the artists and writers and everything, and here's what uh, Al Milgram had to say about What If. Talking with Al Milgram, legendary artist and writer, uh, What If is going to be a brand new series on Disney+, Plus. comes out August the 11th, we're doing a show talking about What If. Do you have a favorite memory, a favorite uh, What If story, or any kind of anecdote about What If from your time at Marvel?
4: Well... I only think I, I ever did maybe one page for a what-if story, and it involved Daredevil and Elektra, and probably was the one you mentioned, like what if Elektra had lived, you know. And the whole point was it was very boring if Elektra had lived. Uh, but I, you know, I, I kind of did a, a, a sort of a Frank Miller-ish riff on it in my, you know, because I, I wrote it and, and penciled and inked it. Uh, but I, you know, the story that I remember really getting a kick out of. Because it was just so wacky was the one where, uh, you know, Kirby did what if the Marvel bullpen was the Fantastic Four, yes. and uh, you know, I mean that was just so far off the wall and silly and fun and it just you know, you know, I, I assume Stan wrote it. I don't remember at this point. Probably but, so. Yeah. But you know, I thought it was great that they would you know could poke fun at themselves and make themselves into the actual superheroes for that one issue. And it was a, you know it was a cool concept, yeah, you know? I mean at DC they had imaginary stories, right and what if was basically the same idea? We just ripped off DC so, so. if you were going to get bombarded with cosmic rays and become
0: a member of the Fantastic Four, which power would you prefer?
4: well, I wouldn't want to look like the thing, not not that I'm any kind of a beauty queen at all, but <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, probably. Well you know what ultimately I think uh, the invisible girls' powers because not only could she turn invisible but then when she developed the uh, force
0: projection projections people,
4: yeah. that was pretty good and she didn't you know you had no da- in, you know you weren't ever in danger of burning up the furniture you know and uh, mr. Fantastic's stretching powers uh, you know could have been vaguely obscene you could have had a career in porno <laughs> you know something like that but uh, uh, yeah I think her powers might have ultimately been the ones that were you know, we're, we're the most interesting.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. And he'd mentioned that because uh, there were a couple of those uh, what ifs both in volume one and in volume two where they would, they would have just kind of one or two page stories it was like an anthology and i remember what if volume two had it what if no one was watching the watcher for example yep and uh and it's kind of cool that they had those too because they're little quick things i'm sure people thought about in the bullpen like hey what if this and they kind of tossed them out and i guess maybe that's where the idea came from is like hey let's put a bunch of these into just a single issue and have some fun
3: yeah it was it was i think just a crazy idea to do the first one was to just do a humor issue and and you know people just came up with the 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 wackiest and weirdest stuff. You know the first one that that comes to my mind in that was a page with, that was what if Daredevil was deaf rather than blind, right. <laughs> which is a which is a dopey joke. But for the whole page, it's. It's a Frank Miller page, and he's beating up some 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 guys, and they're t- asking him to please stop because they're not criminals. But he <laughs> he's responding, but he can't hear what they're saying. And it's it it's like any other Frank Miller page, but it's very dumb, and thus it's very funny. <laughs> um, and and you know they did two or three of those humor specials during the run of of the two iterations of What If, uh, and you know that was that was the flip side of. The really serious ones in which the, you know, the whole universe would crumble and people would die. There were a lot of casualties in most what if stories because it was uh, it was easier to, to to do, you know, and, and, and to make the stakes uh, more significant and, and to make events change from what had happened. Uh, you know, it was very, very uh, typical in a what if to, to, to see uh, a line of bodies by the time you got to the last page. We,
0: uh, we talked to Klaus Jansen, legendary artist and inker, uh, while we were at Turvicon 2. I didn't get a chance because he, he said, well, I don't really have a story to tell. I'm really sorry. So I said, no, that's fine. But he, sa- he kind of jokingly said, to my recollection, what ifs are always like some, you know something would go on, but nothing really changed or the world blew up. <laughs> it was, he always thought it was one extreme or the other.
3: And he's not he's not really wrong, particularly (laughs) once you get into the second the second iteration of what if there definitely was or there became a certain sameness after a while, because essentially it almost boiled down at a certain point to a formula. And that formula was was either, you know, this thing was changed from the way it happened in the main marble canon, and everything goes badly. And so, you know, the end result is, aren't you happy that it went the way it went and not this awful way? Or the alternative to that was it something was changed in the canon and somehow by the end of the story, you kind of ended up back in the same place anyway. So if, if you were doing, you know, whatever, what if somebody else became Spider-Man by the end of that story, somehow through some quirk of fate, Peter Parker would still end up being Spider Man, uh, and so both of those tended to sort of reinforce the idea that, you know, the main Marvel, uh, uh, you know, cosmology and canon, like that was that was the best version and that was the inevitable version, uh, and and so yeah, after after you'd read twenty or thirty stories like that, you really would be hungry for any ending that wasn't one of those two. Klaus is absolutely right about that.
0: And we've got a few more clips to play throughout the evening of a few more people we talked with. But we do need to take a quick break. Uh, you're okay to stick with me for the whole hour, yes? Sure thing. Perfect. We're talking to Tom Brevoort editor of Marvel Comics, talking all about what if. We'll come back and we'll take your calls. And you can also text us on the KTRS text lines 84126 with your favorite what if story. Stand by.
1: Hey, this is Yuri Lowenthal, but you
2: may know me recently as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. And you're listening to geek to me Radio.
0: Welcome back to geek to me Radio. The show which would not be possible without the help of my premier sponsor, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. The website, discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com. We just celebrated Missouri's 200th anniversary and you had a lot of awesome bicentennial celebrations going on down there at the first Missouri State Capitol. There's always something going on in St. Charles. They always have festivals. They've got music and concerts going on. It's just a great place to go. Uh, I've said before, if you're a foodie, there's no place like downtown St. Charles with all the different varieties. If you don't know what you're in the mood to eat. Take a walk down Main Street, and chances are you'll find something that's going to satisfy you no matter what mood you're in, and you'll find a lot of cool shops that are down there. Now, more than ever, it's so important to support small businesses, and that's what a lot of that downtown St. Charles area is made up of, small businesses. Uh, you can find unique gifts. So while you're out, uh, you can grab a bite to eat or some unique cocktails. Uh, i got to recommend Sugar and Slice in the, I believe, 500 block. Best cinnamon rolls I've ever had in my life. They're wonderful, and there's never... Anything you'll find that's bad down there. I've I've eaten at just about every place. It's always good. It's nice to get outdoors and enjoy summer as we transition to fall, have some fun, go bike ride the Katy Trail, play in Frontier Park. There is something for everyone, and it's all in downtown St. Charles. Maybe you're listening to this and you're from outside the St. Louis area. Plan your trip. Go to the website, discoverstcharles.com. That's Discover St. Charles. As we always say, it's a historically good time. We're talking with Marvel Comics editor Tom Brevoort all about what if, kind of uh, just chatting about the different stories and uh, the just the creation of some of these unique tales they've got. If you'd like to call in. The KTRS phone lines are 314-931-5877. Give us a call and let us know if you've got a favorite What If story. We can plug you on the air. Uh, Justin will take your information. Anyone who calls in tonight, we're going to put your name in a drawing. We're going to give away Volume 1, the complete collection of What If. It's actually collects issues 1 through 12 of the original series, starting with What If Spider-Man had become a member of the Fantastic Four, and a lot of great stories contained within. You can kind of get caught up before the new Marvel what if series drops um, Tom if you had to say if like top three favorite what if stories what would you say those are for you?
3: Wow uh, those are always dicey questions for me because I remember so much that it's hard to winnow it down but right off the the cuff the the third issue of what if was what if the Avengers had never been? Which was a great story by Jim Shooter and, and Gil Kane, inked by Klaus Jansen, who you mentioned before, yeah. uh, in, w- in which uh, you know the Avengers don't quite manage to come together uh, and and uh, are fragmented and, and, and fall apart, uh, and that's and that's sad. Um, uh, there was a, there was an issue around, I believe it was twenty two. Which was what if Doctor Doom had become a hero? Yeah, uh, and I and I thought that was a super fascinating story, uh, especially because the ending you know is is really wonderful in that it turns on the central conceit of that character, which is, uh, you know, he's a super intelligent guy, uh, he's 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 well put together, he's as heroic as anybody else, but Doom's fatal flaw is always. His his own ego and his own sense of self importance, and that's the thing that causes uh, uh, things to go poorly in the third act of that of that comic, uh, and for him to still be a hero, but a hero who is is troubled and tortured and and has a a, a failing at a feet of clay. And I thought that was a, a great story. There are a lot of others that I like just on pure concept. Like uh it wasn't a particularly wonderful story, but what if Sergeant Fury fought World War II in Outer Space? <laughs> I love just, just for the just for the silliness of it. You know, it was the era of Star Wars. Everybody wanted to do uh more more outer space science fiction sort of adventures, and so they did an issue that was just it's Sergeant Fury, and if I'm remembering right, it's been a long time since I looked at this comic on the cover you know, it's it's Fury and the Howling Commandos, and Fury's got, like, one of those old-fashioned dome helmets. And inside the dome helmet, he's smoking his cigar. <laughs> that's right. Now, I, I don't know what he's doing <laughs> with the ashes or how that's working. He's probably going to be, be not seeing a whole heck of a lot very soon uh, and probably asphyxiating, but it's delightful because it's so, it's so dopey. Um, the same sort of thing was true. There was a there was an issue, a couple of issues before that, issue 12, I think it was, which was what if Rick Jones became the Hulk, uh, and that just seems like a, a pretty, you know, decent idea. Rick, you know, the origin of the Hulk is Rick Jones goes out onto the the, the bomb test site, Bruce Banner goes out to rescue him, throws him into the the the, the safety ditch, and he gets hit by the radiation from the gamma bomb. Well, what if he didn't get there in time or didn't make it? Rick gets turned into the Hulk. But what makes it particularly amusing? And again, this was the year, the seven done in the '70s. This was the era in which Happy Days was, you know, like the biggest show I- in America. So, so the the Rick Jones Hulk talks like a, a quasi greaser. <laughs> he's got a weird, rather than a typical Hulk smash sort of personality. You know, he's 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 got a little more of a of a James Dean attitude, and huh. it's a weird choice, but it's 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 super fun. Um yeah, there were there were there were a, a whole bunch of them like this that have something to recommend uh, them simply because they were so bizarre. Um but also just because they were they were great stories. There was uh, issue 9 was what if the Avengers had been formed in the 1950s mm-hmm. and that's really uh, Roy Thomas uh you know taking his love of the comics that he grew up on and finding either five five characters who were actually published in the 50s or you know characters that had been created since who had had adventures in the 50s and putting them together in a quasi-team. And years and years later, that team became the basis for the agents of Atlas that we've used and, and, and seen over the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, and that's all an outgrowth of the what-if. Um, years and years and years and years later, uh, Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends did uh, a what-if that, Uh, uh, introduced spider girl Uh, and that was successful enough and popular enough that it became a a series and it became like an unkillable series it ran for it must have been close to 150 issues once you get through all the various you know title changes and derivations Uh, and that's that's super huge um so yeah there were there were all sorts of 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 uh uh, uh, stories in the, in the course of that and and because every issue focused on a different uh, character for the most part and a different creative team you got a wide variety of perspectives it was the kind of thing where if a particular story concept didn't appeal to you you know one month if if you weren't a Conan reader and so you didn't care about what if Conan you know was in the 20th century you could wait a month and there'd be another story the next month that would be you know, what if what if Spider-Man uh, stayed a, a, a TV entertainer? Uh, and and maybe that would be one that, that, that would be more, more fascinating to you.
0: And we've got a uh, caller on the line right now, I believe. Let me just make sure I can do this without hanging up on you. Uh, I believe we have Chris on the phone. Chris, is this you? Yep. Cool. Uh, we're talking with Tom Brevoort, editor of Marvel Comics. We're talking about, about what if. Do you have a favorite what if story?
2: I do. Uh, it was in, it was a later What If. It was part of the Mirror Mirror collection. But it was if Captain America came out, came around during the Civil War.
0: Was that was it one <laughs> of the one shots that they were doing at the time?
2: I think, I don't know. I, I received it as a gift when I was younger, and it was a collection of, basically the overarching theme was some teenage hacker basically ended up becoming the Watcher and tapped into this parallel universe where the Avengers still existed, but it was like, uh, what if... And it was a bunch of, like, one-shot stories within there, like, what if the Fantastic Four were cosmonauts instead of oh wow, astronauts? So it was a Russian Fantastic Four, but the one, my favorite was if Captain America was around during the Civil War, and I don't... He ends up fighting... White skull.
0: Okay. Yeah. Like a. <laughs> like... ends
2: up creating the KKK.
0: Huh. I, and I see. I yeah. don't think I must have read that one. Tom, was that. Was, do you know if that was uh, part of the
3: second series later on, or was it a one shot? That was later than that. That was published, I'm going to say, around 2008. Uh, I believe that Mark Panisha was the editor on that. I don't remember the, the specifics of the story all that well, largely because it was published while I was working here. And so my my memory is always better on the comics that i read right. versus all the comics that that were put out uh, around me but but specifically when you're talking about you know the the hacker who's seeing into the other worlds i remember mark mm-hmm. did i i believe it was like a, a either a special one month event like a fifth week event where we put out the five one shots each one devoted to a different uh, uh what if theme that were all kind of of common and then we're all collected together Um, And and, and at least from from what you're saying, it sounds like it was cool. So just the fact that you remember it at at this point, Chris, it must have made some kind of impact. So so that's good.
0: Definitely. Uh, Chris, thanks for calling in. I'm going to put your name in the drawing. Uh, Justin got your number, so we'll draw a number after the show's over. Uh, If you're the winner, we'll give you a call back, and I appreciate your listening. Thank
2: you kindly. Have a good night.
0: You too. Thank you. And uh, talking about what if and all the different uh, just iterations, we had Yuri Lowenthal bringing us back from uh, commercial break there, voicing Spider-Man. So many different Spider-Man stories. One of my favorite, because when I started reading Marvel Comics was right around Acts of Vengeance time and Spider-Man getting the cosmic powers. I'm like, this is so cool because I remember watching Spider-Man in cartoons. So one of my favorite what ifs is what if Spider-Man had kept the Captain Universe powers after Acts of Vengeance, which was, I think, a great story.
3: Yeah, I I don't remember any of the details of it, but I'll take your word for it. (laughs) A lot of the volume,
0: too, like I just uh, my friend David was doing a talk about what ifs and he and I were chatting on his podcast. And I said my favorite of all time, I think if I had to pick one, it was what if Professor X had become the juggernaut? And that's another one where yep. it's it's it, it. The fingers of that don't just extend into the X Men universe. We see what happens to the Fantastic Four and to Doctor Doom and Daredevil and Hulk, and it kind of just in one page really had so much emphasis on things that could happen across the entire Marvel universe for uh, that that particular reality. It, it's just it's always fun to read these and think, wow, who would have thought something like that would have happened.
3: Yeah, yeah, that I believe was one of the ones that Kurt Busiek wrote, you know, back in the days before he did Marvels and before he did Untold Tales of Spider-Man and all, all these other things. And, uh, you know, Kurt always had a pretty good uh, handle on the continuity in the history of the Marvel Universe and liked to play with those connections. Um, so, yeah, it's always fun in any of these stories when the events that seem like they're they're siloed with one character or one family of characters Yeah, you can kind of see how they have an impact on characters that are elsewhere in the in the Marvel Universe that you don't necessarily immediately think of as being connected to, uh, you know, the, the, the guys that you might happen to be reading about.
0: Exactly right. And someone uh, who we also caught up with at con artist and anchor Keith Williams, gave us a little idea of what uh, he remembers and what he liked about What If. Keith Williams, Marvel artist extraordinaire, Spider-Man, all the good stuff. And i got to say, sectors and uh, and human, all the the toy lines from the 80s. But we're talking about What If briefly. And Marvel's What If volumes 1 and 2, great stories, inspired writers, had all these great things. Some of the best art, too, in Marvel. Do you
5: have a favorite "what if" story? Well, I had—I uh, think it was one uh, with with Phoenix actually that that I uh, worked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if? What was it? What what if? phoenix what if gene gray K- phoenix had lived to- totally yeah. yeah right lived and uh i thought that, that was a pretty cool story i think ron Lim did the pencils on that and yeah
0: that's right I yeah right.
5: and it was it was great I, I i love working over ron's stuff i've you know i worked with him on silver surfer and right. things like that and uh yeah that was that's like one of my favorites also uh <laughs> another one of mine what if uh the the um the uh, Venom uh, parasite actually possessed Peter Parker. That was issue and, number four. Yes, that, was that was my the, first "What If." Yes, yes, oh, brilliant. Yes, and uh, yeah, and that 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 turned out really great. Too. I, I I really enjoyed working on those. You know, because it's like "What If," and plus I get to you know like work on characters. That, you know, like I exactly, really love yeah. working on. Yeah, those
0: "What If" books will always incorporate other characters besides the main ones, so you get a lot of background characters to work on.
5: Right, it's so cool to be able to work on you know like other characters like Doctor Strange and and other characters that i may not you know work on it on a regular basis yeah yeah yeah
0: very cool thanks for that i appreciate it thank you it's always great getting all these people who who've you know dealt with this and drew this kind of find out what they liked best and get these insights and we've got another call on the line let me make sure i can uh pick him up here and i think we are talking if i'm not mistaken to uh, dave is this dave
5: it is Dave. Hello,
0: James. So this How is, are Okay, you doing? this is the Dave I was just referring to. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I know you and I kind of covered some of this ground. Right now, we've got uh, Marvel Comics editor Tom Brevoort with us, Dave, and we we're just chatting about What If. Since you and I have talked, uh, have you changed your mind on your favorite What If? I have not. They are still my favorite. I'm not going to cover. I'm not
1: going to divulge those ones that are my favorites because if anyone wants to know of them, they can go to my website of Cinephile Assemble on YouTube, obviously. But I do have a favorite one that was not on that list. It is the Avengers Disassembled What If One-Shot, where the it, the entire issue is the Beast trying to uncover what happened to disassemble the Avengers, and he discovers that it was not actually the Scarlet Witch acting on her own, that she was being influenced by an outside force. And the way it was written, which is a way that I love what ifs in general, it could be considered canon to the actual Marvel Universe if a future writer wanted to make it that way.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I I can never get enough Hank McCoy, honestly, of, of uh, any of the – x-men turned avengers he's always been one of those he just seems like he's he works well on both teams to just such a great extent
1: indeed he does actually i love that the way he's been written thus far he skirts the line between superhero and mad scientist so well
0: yeah i will agree (laughs) Uh, Dave, that's perfect. Again, cinephiles Assemble. If you want to check out, Dave and I had a great conversation about What If as well. If you'd like to check that out as a compendium to this after you get done with the live show, you can go check that out. I'll have a link to that in the show notes for this. Dave, thanks very much. I appreciate the call. Hey, anytime, James, anytime. Thank you so much.
3: And right, we're bye. talking
0: uh, what if for the rest of this hour, actually. if uh, Again, if you'd like to shoot a text, if you want to give us a text on the KTRS text line, 84126. Just give us your name so I can give you a shout-out and say, my name's Brian, I'm from Kirkwood, and here's my favorite what if. Um, is there a character, like... Obviously, you've seen these things go through and everything, Tom. Is there a character or a story that you've kind of had mulling about in the back of your head that you're like, I would love to see something done with this particular character from this particular era of Marvel Comics?
3: Wow. Um. Again, I don't have something, you know, specific uh, that, that I can tell you. Years and years ago, I pitched a what-if story that didn't end up being done. Um, But I liked it. So I I still remember it. And it was it was essentially what if the Avengers fought Galactus Um, that that in the original Fantastic Four story, uh, you know, the, the original Galactus story, Galactus comes down sends the surfer to find the earth and the surfer drops down and the thing like smacks him across town and he ends up landing on. Uh, in uh, in Alicia Masters' uh, studio by total coincidence, and Alicia convinces him to turn against Galactus. Uh, and in my version of the story, that doesn't happen. He lands somewhere else, and the Fantastic Four kind of get uh, 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 knocked down. Uh, but the Avengers of that period, uh, you know, uh, rise to the challenge and 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 end up uh, duking it out with the Surfer, who never uh, turns against Galactus. Uh, and and they they run to an almost standstill where where Galactus is is like he's 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 still a threat but he's uh, starving uh, and and they need to come to some resolution and the Fantastic Four uh, offer to take the Surfers' place that they'll be the new heralds of Galactus and he empowers them and uh, much much as the other heralds of Galactus in the past have all been based on the four elements uh, you know Reed. Ben, Sue, and Johnny all became kind of like these cosmic four elements, huh. and because there were four of them, you know, they could scout four times as much territory yeah. and always lead him to uninhabited planets. And so that was kind of the 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 good ending, uh, you know, a, a after a bunch of bad things happened. Never never happened. Never got done. Never saw print. Never got bought. But uh, so so it, it would have been nice.
0: Yeah, that does sound pretty interesting. I like that idea a lot. And, again, if you're wanting to call in or text us, text lines 84126. We're going to give away this trade paperback to a lucky listener who calls in to get you caught up. We're going to take another quick commercial break. We're going to come back. We're talking with Marvel Comics editor Tom Brevoort all about what if getting you ready for the series premiere to drop on Disney+. Plus This Wednesday, please stand by.
3: Hey, guys, this is Michael Rooker, and uh, you're listening to geek to me Radio. Have a good time. We're back on geek
0: to me Radio. Michael Rooker back in cinemas with The Suicide Squad being out right now. And if you want to go see The Suicide Squad, may we recommend our official movie sponsor, Marcus Theaters. MarcusTheaters.com is the website. Uh, you can get out there and see Suicide Squad. There's a lot of great movies coming out. We got Shang-Chi from the Marvel Cinematic Universe will be coming out next month. Very excited for that. There's a, You want to get out and support movie theaters. It's one of the things I missed so much during COVID. And Marcus Theaters is making it safe to go back to the movies. If you're a little unsure, you can always rent a private cinema starting at just $99, depending on your location. You and 20 of your friends can go see a movie in your own private theater, You can also uh, download the app. Marcus Theaters has their own app where you can download it. If you're out and about, find the one closest to you. Get your concessions right there in line for a more contactless experience so they're ready and waiting for you when you arrive. They do above and beyond as far as sanitation and cleaning measures. They've got the little kick plates on the door so you can grab them so you don't have to touch the door handles and they're making it safe to go back to the movies. Movie theaters are great. That's the best possible environment to see a movie. As I've always said, there's nothing to compare with being watching Endgame on opening night when that hammer flies into Cap's hand. The crowd goes crazy. You can't recreate that at home even with the best surround sound and the biggest TV. So get out and see the way the movies were meant to be experienced in the theater. MarcusTheaters.com, Marcus Theaters, and Movie Tavern. Location close to you, no doubt, for the best movie-going experience in the galaxy chatting this hour with Tom Brevoort, editor of Marvel comics about what if uh, we heard Michael Rooker coming back. I'm excited to see one of the, what if stories that we've been kind of given a teaser for in the series that will be going on Disney plus starting Wednesday, August 11th is what if T'Challa had been star Lord. And I'm interested to see how that change comes about.
3: Yeah, I, I can't say very much specific about it. Although I have seen that episode and it's great. It is, it is such a delight. Um, and I, I, but I literally, uh, you know, that's all the you know, Marvel studios doing and, and, uh, you know, in the same way that I, I wouldn't want them to, to reveal or disclose any of my comic book story secrets. I sure. really can't say a single word about it other than I've, I've seen that episode and I, 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 I thought it was fabulous. I, I thought it was so much fun and so clever and had so many good bits of business in it, I think i haven 't seen all of the all the what if episodes yet um, I'm, I'm still 've still only uh, you know, seen a couple uh, in the course of my job, uh, and I think that one was my favorite of the ones that I saw, so at least you know take of that what you will um, you know it, it it gets my thumbs up, and we've got my f- completely my completely biased thumbs up. And I'm interested,
0: I'd love to see them fold the, uh, I think, you know, it's possible maybe we're getting reshoots, maybe Charlie Cox will show up in the new Spider-Man movie as Daredevil, because there's so many great what-if Daredevil stories from the comics, that I'd love to see them incorporate, and the great thing is these are all animated, so, uh, you know, it's, uh, some of the actors are coming back to reprise their voice roles, obviously, and if I'm not mistaken... Uh, Chadwick Boseman recorded his before he passed. So this is literally—I'm gonna—I'm gonna tear up just thinking about it. This will be Chadwick Boseman's last outing as Black Panther. Then,
3: yes, that is that is correct, and and it is a really wonderful performance. It really does underscore what a what an absolutely tragic loss uh, his 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 passing was. Yeah, uh, you know, to the not even just to Marvel, but to the creative community yeah. in, in general. He was phenomenally talented, and he's terrific in that episode.
0: Absolutely, yeah. That uh, that's going to be one where I have to have the tissues on hand, I think, to try to get through that uh, that episode. <laughs> and we again, we talked to several other people talking about Daredevil again. Uh, D.G. Ch- Chichester, who we've had on the show once before, talking about his run on Daredevil and Terror Inc. and all the stuff he's done for Marvel. We caught up with him at Trivicon and uh, asked him about his What If story. D G Chichester. We had him on the show before, and we're talking to him again here at Trivicon about What If. Uh, favorite story, if you want to use your own, um, or just the concept or kind of uh, fond memory of the series from Marvel?
6: Sure. Uh, it's fun to talk about that. All stories, of course, are What If stories, which is one of the key parts of them. Uh, what If was always a, a good laugh inside the office or inside the creator community because we would always laugh, The What If series would always end in one of two ways everything always went back to the same way it always was or the entire universe exploded. No matter (laughs) what the premise was, 99% of What If stories ended that way. Uh, I had a good chance to do one which was a very unusual one. I pitched it as what if the Kingpin adopted Daredevil? And they changed it to what if the Kingpin owned Daredevil? Which isn't quite the same thing. But that was a fun one to do because I don't think anyone had ever gone down that road before. They'd spin such adversarial characters to suddenly put it into that ownership position. And I don't (laughs) think New York exploded at the end of that, I
0: don't think so. But it no. was
6: it, it it allowed you to play with so many established pieces that you had, but then really take them in a different direction without the responsibility of having to carry it through. The one that got away, though, which would have been the favorite one, was, really was one that was supposed to be called Hexpionage, which which Mark Nelson and I pitched, and it was going to be a Doctor Strange, Nick Fury team up, where Shield was the supernatural something, 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 something.
0: Huh. Supernatural hub. <laughs> uh, uh,
6: yes. Independent, you know. yeah. And so the world was a, a sort of a magic Marvel world, and and Strange was the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hmm. And Fury had been his partner at one point. They had had a falling out, and then the story was they were coming out together, and actually the entire thing had been written, the entire thing had been pitched. Mark had illustrated about half of it. Oh, wow. He had done this helicarrier that was covered in, in castle fixtures... And instead of Quinjets, you know, protecting it, it was dragons breathing oh fire. Um, it was uh, Dum Dum Dugan was a werewolf. It was it was this crazy thing. Got about half illustrated, and then, then the entire comics market crashed, and that got lost into a drawer. The oh project was Can canceled. We so the what if there is what if that story had actually been published? Yeah, would have been a great one to go with.
0: Wow. And I can still picture that one you did with Daredevil kind of bodyguarding Kingpin exactly, on the cover. Exactly. It's a great classic cover, too. Exactly. And it wow. was a good
6: story. Yeah. If I do say so myself. Of course. And I will. And I did.
0: And we've got a quick one from Frank Thierry, who also worked on a Spider Man What If. We're talking with Frank Thierry, who actually did a What If story from Marvel. Uh, that must be a lot of fun to kind of reimagine a, a main story like that.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean,. Um, How's you know, what if and, and, and all that stuff. I I grew up on that as as a kid. Like uh, they had what what if uh, what if I remember what if one of my favorite ones was What if uh, Wolverine had kid the Hulk? Yeah there was um what if uh Conan was in the modern day, there was all all sorts of fun, you know. Uh, yeah, it was always fun to some to see some of that. The one I got to do was a um what if it was a house of M. What if um, um uh, it involved Spider-Man, and uh, the big reveal was that he went nuts and, and, and stuff like that with the house event. But it was it was a lot of fun to do, you know? It's a lot of fun to take these characters and The, the what-if concept, you take a twist on it, and, you know, um, sometimes it reveals something in a, about the character right,
0: that you wouldn't well, know before, you know? Right. And it's always fun, too, because you grew up with yeah, those characters, I mean, now you're going really to get to the right. tweak
4: things All on right. your yeah, own. exactly. That's, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, and a lot of times it's carte blanche because... Because it's a what if you can do whatever right. the hell you want, you it's know. Never canon, so that's yeah. Fun. Exa- exactly, exactly. Very cool,
0: Frank right, Tieri. Thanks so much. Thank you. And it's interesting. Uh, it's like you said, Tom, about your pitch that you had with the Avengers and Galactus and everything like that. <laughs> how how that would have been cool to see uh, the D.G. Chichester one where he pitched that with uh, you know Doctor Strange as the head of Shield. That sounds. I would love to see the art for that. Yeah, that 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 sounds pretty
3: cool. It's it's a shame that never got done.
0: But there's got to be a lot of ones like this. So like I said, you pitched in them. I'm sure like it, it, there's a ton of different ways people could go with these. We've got some great stories, but because we've got so many mainstream stories now, and, and again, what if uh, the one shots that have come out have been really good, but there's always new movement at Marvel as far as stories and character development to take that little pinpoint in time and just give that a twist. I mean, it, literally, what if could go on and on and on? They could have an ongoing series from 77 till now and still not have stopped.
3: Well really the you know the the way the, the way what if works every month is it's the next month's comics. I yeah. you know we we ask the question what if every every issue as we sit down to do the next issue of Avengers or Fantastic Four or Daredevil or the Hulk or whatever and then we figure it out and the things that happen happen. Um but you know we, what what if does give you that opportunity to do is is to just explore alternate choices like like you're saying. Um and and so you know because there's an unending uh, uh, amount of source material in the books that, in the stories that we're putting out every month, yeah you could you could do what if ad infinitum. Uh, there are a million possible stories that uh, that that could be explored in the in the what if context.
0: And I know, obviously, like we mentioned uh, Shang-Chi, when I was talking about Marcus Theater, Shang-Chi will be out next month, and obviously the Marvel Comics run, uh, Gene Luen Yang is doing a great job on that story. We just had that five-issue last year, five-issue run, and we've got a new series yes. now that he's working on. And there's some what stories that did involve Shang-Chi in the Volume 1, but I- I'm wondering because Marvel does a really good job with having their comics coincide with stuff that's going on in the theater and on the Disney Plus app. Is there any talking, if you can't answer this, I understand, but is there any talk about doing another what-if series, uh, even if it's adapted based on the Marvel Cinematic Universe series we're going to get from Disney Plus?
3: Um, I think we're certainly, we've been doing, you know, what-ifs on and off over the last couple of years, not as a regular series, but like uh, like the, the one that I, that was talked about earlier that Mark Panisha edited, that were little, you know, blocks of five yeah. or six issues. Um, so I think we'll continue to do that sort of stuff, um, and certainly... Um, you know a- anything that 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 seems like it's it's uh, you know cool and would bear fruit from from the stuff that uh, you know the studio's team is doing on on the show. I- I'm sure we'll look at that and see if there's any possibility for synergy within the the publishing line as we go forward. Um, you know, and and plus all the classic what if stories uh, are coming back into print. I think there's at least one more new omnibus coming. Oh great! Uh, so that's a that's a big fat chunk of. Of, of classic what-if goodness for people. I do want to play, we also talked to artist Lee
0: Weeks, and I'll uh, pull him up here. We'll t- hear what he had to say about what-if.
3: Talking with renowned
0: artist Lee Weeks about what-if, and Lee, do you have a favorite what-if moment, a favorite what-if issue or anything like that from the Marvel series?
6: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to tell you what issue number or whatever, and I might even get the, the gist of it uh, not entirely correct, but um, the death of Gwen Stacy was so traumatic for me when I was a kid. They did a what if Gwen had lived yeah. or what if What if Spidey had saved her. And I, I just, I, I believe, I mean, I, have, I have probably haven't seen it in over 30 years. Um, I believe it was like one of the best written ones too. It was yeah. a really great, but just the heart part. It's like I, I had a crush on Gwen Stacy when I was yeah. 10, 11 years old and <laughs> devastated when they actually killed her off. So that, that would be the one that is most memorable for me.
0: And that was Lee Weeks, uh, who also did the Daredevil run with D.G. Chichester. But it's great to hear these people talk about all this stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's very cool. And, again, some of my favorite what-ifs, just while we're chatting here, uh, I brought him in the studio. What if we mentioned Shang-Chi? What if Shang-Chi fought on the side of his arch enemy in the comic books, who ended up being his father? What if he fought on the side of Fu Manchu? What if Daredevil became an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Which I enjoyed that one quite a bit because it's kind of... Uh, you know, it's, you see Daredevil as a vigilante, a street fighter, and suddenly he's in this world-renowned spy organization. He's fighting uh, in a kind of a structured environment, which is very cool. And Frank Thierry mentioned, what if Wolverine had killed the Hulk? That's a great one because we kind of lean into that. That's volume one as well. Um, and then we've got, what if the Invisible Woman had died, which uh, you realize how key and integral the Invisible Woman is, of the Fantastic Four, whereas Ben could be called the heart of the team. Uh, Sue is really the glue that holds the whole team together and kind of is the living, breathing soul of the Fantastic Four. Another one from uh, Volume 1 is What If Loki Had Found the Hammer of Thor, which is, kind of goes down a bit of a darker path. But with Loki, we just saw him in the series, Marvel series. If you haven't caught that yet, I won't spoil it for you, but uh, kind of creates a bunch of different timelines, which I think is what we're going to get from What If. And then, obviously, I mentioned what if the alien costume had possessed Spider-Man? What if Professor X had become the Juggernaut, my all-time favorite? Uh, What if Rogue had possessed the powers of Thor? Lots and lots of great, great, great comics to choose from there. Uh, We're kind of out of time. My thanks again to Tom Brevoort for joining us and talking all about him. Sorry he had to drop as early as he did, but we'll be back next week with more for you. Until then, my friends. It's not in the way you watch
2: I sound.
0: Six. Good night.
2: Hey, kids. Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon?
4: Hi, I'm Chucky. Want to play?
2: Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us.
4: Bit.ly
2: slash geek to me, bit bit.ly slash geek to me.